The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. All right. Welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host, uh, Ethan Broga, uh, across from... Ken Smith here. Let's uh, let's give out our, our contact information and okay. uh, start our discussion today. And I have a few ideas on, on what we could talk about. Some some uh, listener and investor questions or or thoughts that I've picked up over the last week, and then a discussion on an article uh, from a, a very prominent author, Charles D. Ellis, about investment costs and and how you should approach that. Okay. And uh, and we could further discuss our our estimates or feelings about estimating um, market returns or this idea of an equity premium, if we have time for that as well. I think that sounds good. Good. Well, if you'd like to join the show today, um, again, this is a live recording broadcasting from the Empirical Tower in downtown Seattle. You can reach us at 866-472-5790. Or if you prefer to reach us via email, that's at contact at empiradio.com. And, uh, you know, if you're an individual investor out there, if you'd like to maybe have a, a second opinion on your current investment portfolio, or perhaps you're looking toward retirement and like to put together a, a sound retirement plan, feel free to give us a call directly uh, during our office hours here. And uh, that's 206-923-3474. We'll be happy to walk you through or explain to you our process, and um, I'm sure you'll find it very thorough and and uh, would lead to some good results. Ethan, the... Some of the educational programs that we're doing live uh, here locally and in various places. Yeah, would will you be doing a, a webinar of any kind on that that our listeners could download um, and and watch? You know, that's a good idea. We certainly can. I, I've been uh, doing this uh, what I'm calling the retirement advantage presentation, mm-hmm. which talks about. Um, Really, five key areas of retirement. I'm thinking about making it to making it six key areas, but currently it's five. Okay, that's uh, not overwhelm everyone. <laughs> it starts with basically a, a baseline understanding of how how to best to take your Social Security benefits, particularly if you're married. Uh, there's some different options you have there. Uh, talk about different tax strategies, which involve systematic Roth conversions and then asset placement, and then uh, then a bit a bit a bit about our investment philosophy, which is obviously uh, evidence based and uh, the very sound, and then combining that all into a very coordinated approach to retirement planning. There's a lot of value that can be added with the, the combination of these things. So we've been doing a presentation here over the last year or so, um, basically a PowerPoint presentation, have some materials to hand out as well to, to participants 
uh, in the presentation. But I think you're right, Ken. We should we should put together um, a, a video series, perhaps, of each of these lessons, and maybe one in, in, in its entirety, that highlights the benefits of these different strategies. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, and I, I think I hear I uh, occasionally tune into various um, financial programs, and they're either geared towards uh, some sort of get rich quick now kind of a market timing options yeah. trading um or they're the other way where we get a, a down market and they're trying to peddle some kind of an annuity product that yeah. is guaranteeing some rate of return um for whatever reason it's just not in vogue or popular to have very sound strategies uh that are actually things that do save money um or i hear other shows where they're the focus is on somebody calls in and says, geez, I have a credit card, um, and it's got money and I'm paying 20%. What should I do with it? Uh, yeah. clearly, um, uh, you know, <laughs> you should pay that off. <laughs> sure. But I, I don't, I, I rarely, uh, and even the seminars that get offered seem to be very, um, gimmicky, uh, yeah. uh and or the data's weak or they're, it just doesn't, I don't know. And so I know we're frustrated and we're trying to create things that really help. If you're looking at what would, what would really make a difference to someone? Yeah. Um, and if they could apply these concepts, preferably with a, uh, non-commissioned yeah. advice relationship, right, right, right. um, they can make some real headway or some real progress over the course of their financial lifetime and for future generations, yeah. the way that we structure these things. I, I can't uh, tell you how, how much I get frustrated with typical, what passes as typical advice in the financial area, uh, in financial areas especially. Um, it seems that nobody wants to be an authority on anything. So every, when you go to these presentations or, or uh, you hear about things online or there's nothing specific. It's always, there's always um, the uh, sort of the fine print at the end of the end of anybody's sentence regarding specific financial advice, I find there's a huge gap, a huge lack of specific financial guidance uh, in the industry out there. I, I'm, we work with numerous clients over many years now, and the advice they get from other advisors, so-called advisors in their life, is very dissatisfying. The level of, of specific actionable steps to improve your situation is lacking in, in virtually every conversation when I talk to, to, to folks who have been working with other advisors in the past, or not just advisors and investments, but uh, other planners, right, or other insurance folks. It's always a general comment, but nothing specifically applied to their situation. Right. What I've done with this program is provide specific guidance. So in general, we're talking about the concepts, but I can apply each of these concepts specifically to your situation and tell you exactly what you should be doing with regards to Social Security, your any, route, any tax strategies surrounding um, Roth conversions, asset placement, and then coordinate that into a, a working retirement plan. It is very specific, and it is is very high value, in my view, and better than anything else I've ever seen, frankly. And you're not just patting yourself on the back? Is that uh, what you're saying? Well, I mean, I'm very frustrated with the level of of advice out there. Everything is so so general and is so um, nonspecific in nature, it makes it inactionable for most folks. And that's why everybody runs around being very confused about what to do, in my view. So this is different. It's entirely. Hey, thank you for the applause. I appreciate that. It's a different way of looking at things, and it, we again we, it's, it t- turns the focus on the things we actually have influence over, uh, which are hey, I'm managing taxes, making s- the best decisions for Social Security, and then in turn, how does that affect the investment portfolio? We ultimately, end up with in retirement. Right. right. 
So I like I love your idea. We should do it. Well, uh, Simon, you'd stepped out for a moment, but uh, I would like to have a webinar webinar version of of some of the educational uh, programs that we're doing, and uh, one being the uh, Retirement Advantage Program. So what what does it take for us to get that online so our listeners can click in and, and uh, go through a webinar? What, can we have that done by next week? Uh, you and Ethan coming in on the weekend? <laughs> it might uh, take more takes for me to get it down, but uh, certainly we could do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we just need to record it, right? That's the hard part. Record it uh, with audio. You you told me the other day audio. that we've got more than adequate uh, technology to do this. There's two ways to do it. We can do it with me on, on camera, just presenting the material, or thing I like better, perhaps, is having our slideshow along with a voiceover on it. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Yeah, that's probably easier. Okay. You mean a camera of you in front of a, the board, the big board with the slides there? Yeah, or alternatively... We could just go that direction. Well, let's get her done. We could do that. By next show, Ethan's committing to it. He doesn't... We got one week. It doesn't matter if he has to stay here all, all night long. He wants to hammer this out because well, the pe- I can do it. I'm doing two presents, one tomorrow and one the next day. The only issue we could will just be- get, get a camera in there. That's possible too. Um, this thing's heating up. Actually, we have the presentation we haven't done. I hear we have ten or twelve people coming, so it's a pretty packed house for the, the room that we have. And if you are local, uh, give us a call as well. I mean, you, you're welcome to fly from anywhere in the country uh, or around the world, for that matter, to see Ethan. <laughs> you, may, you may want to, no, but in the, in the near future, we will have um, we will be having these type of presentations available to the public, just in general. Uh, of course, we can always do a one-on-one. That's what we have now. But um, we'll we'll have some regular scheduled sort of retirement advantage geared uh, presentations coming up here in the near future. Uh, the details of which I'm sure we'll talk about on the radio, and we'll also be posting to our, our website. Well, one of the projects I've been working on and I'm pretty much finished. I just need to put it out there. Um, was the biggest, what I think is one of the biggest issues on retirees near retiring and in retirement, which is given where we are in market history, how do I derive, uh, how can I be secure that I will be able to derive the income I need from my portfolio and not outlive my money? Um, so I don't want to run out of money before before I pass away, I may even want to leave some uh, to great causes that I have. How do I do that? I I truly believe that that is a big issue, particularly if we b- believe any of the polls here or the surveys on where people how people are feeling about that that question, and um, that is something I think that every person has an inalienable uh, right. To Ethan, and that's to know that they will be able to retire with dignity and not have to worry about running out of money. And so, I want to I want to get that out there because certainly things like paying off a credit card that's charging you twenty percent is is a great step. Um, but as you get past those steps and you are now into this retirement position. Hopefully you've accumulated a nest egg where you've got a clear plan on how to do that um, and where things can go horribly askew uh, is making decisions in those critical years where you don't have a lot of time 
to make up. You can't go back to work and yeah. remake the money that, because in your 401k, you didn't allocate it 30 years ago into something that would grow. And so it was just sitting there in a conservative or you didn't optimize the way you were investing to squeeze every nickel out of it. Now you're pulling out. Are you taking risks that you don't need to take? Are you taking too much, not enough? Do you know how much return you need? Do you know how much you can pull out safely? Right. Um, do you know how to organize that into different time periods and categories that, again, give you the, like, the greatest likelihood of not running out of money or not letting a, a bad investment decision get in the way? Ethan, we're going to have to take a quick break. Oh, already? Already. When we do come back... Um, and please do join in, email us or call us throughout the program. But when we do come back, I'd like to go over an article about costs. Um, particularly, it's, a, I think, pretty popular with returns and some of the asset classes being low. Uh, I want to read this article. Oh. We'll be right back. Empirical Investing. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm my name is simon Liu, portfolio manager with empirical wealth management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host, uh, Ethan Broga, uh, across from Ken Smith here. Um, if you'd like to join the program today, feel free to give us a call at 866-472-5790 or at uh, contact at empiradio.com. And uh, Ken, I know we're going to jump into um, sort of the heart of the program here. You have a, an article that you wanted to discuss a little bit, I think. And, yeah, our, one of our... Uh, research guys forwarded this to me, and I thought we could read it together. I haven't actually fully read it. Okay. I like to explore. I like to keep it fresh and uh, unscripted. Yeah. Hey, you know, real quick. Well, okay. Before we jump into that, uh, off there, we were, well, last segment we were talking about where I was expressing my dissatisfaction with the type of advice out there that is generally offered. Either it's not specific or it's just not right, not good advice. Um, I was talking with a, um, a long-term client today uh, about, just a general review. We talked about investments. We talked about taxes. We talked about retirement planning, and the biggest the biggest scope of our relationship. And uh, one of the things was, hey, I just talked to my CPA a little while ago, and he was asking me if, hey, if, if you're going to be doing any more any more of these Roth conversions this year because the CPA doesn't like the Roth conversion idea apparently. But I just went over it with the client again and say, hey, where where are we this mm-hmm. year with taxes? Let's review this. Yeah. And so he brought out. I didn't, I didn't have a copy of the tax return, but I asked him. He had it in front of him, and so we, I. We did a mock return basically for this year based on last year's return because he's retired. Nothing's really changed this year versus last. And it turns out we expect him to have about a $2,000 taxable income for 2012. So after deductions and after pension income, again, retired, pre-Social Security, not taking money out of the IRA for income purposes, expects to be uh, pay, to pay tax on about $2,000 this year. Yeah. So basically he's got a lot of, a lot of room there to move money from it. You're in a low tax bracket. You're virtually going to pay no tax this year. Isn't that the time you want to realize income when taxes are low, when you're in a low tax bracket, and move it to, you know, from a tax deferred to a tax-free account? Right. It's the perfect situation for this particular client, and so we went to the numbers, and he's concerned. Turns out he can convert about about sixty-seven thousand dollars and pay no more than fifteen percent tax this particular year. Um, so we're going to do that at some point in time this year, but. The, the CPA was again not not happy about hey I don't know why are you why are you volunteering to pay taxes you just you know you're gonna pay it later but I explained to him again hey look in, in a few years you'll be drawing a social security not just you but you and your wife and if we did no conversions because you have one in your taxable account you're pulling out for income purposes that's right by seventy for sure you'll have to take RMDs out of the, those IRAs and you'll you have you know seven hundred thousand dollars today in IRA monies you'd have well over a million you know maybe a million and a half or so by age seventy. Um, and that those required minimum distributions again will be you'll be forced to pay income on those things at a much higher tax bracket. And I was very I don't understand why um, why that happens. Why why CPAs? Uh, CPAs specifically in this case, but advice givers in general. You know, he doesn't know the whole situation. Apparently, doesn't know that the client has a lot of money in an IRA, for example. But yet he's good at giving off the cuff advice about feelings about the Roth conversions, and he's not paying like he's not paying you know thirty five percent tax to do it. He's paying ten percent and fifteen percent tax to do it, which is clearly more than he he uh, uh, he, he saved a lot more than that putting it into the IRAs all these years. Well, maybe it's because a lot of most people, even professionals, I think, have a propensity to want to avoid 
any tax today. I think that's probably right. Regardless of what the overall benef- estimated benefits will be, right? Yeah. They would um, rather say, well, I know one thing's for sure. I've minimized my current tax. Today. Today. I'd rather defer paying Uncle Sam a, a year, even if deferring... Means you'll pay much more later. Makes Yeah, a year from now. You, and I would think, based on my pretty exhaustive study of behavioral finance, that that has to do with the fact that we'd rather put off things that are, in our mind, in a way, potentially painful. Sure. Um, even if putting it off means it'll be a greater pain in the future. Right. Um, because if you think about that and all other aspects of our life... So I think all of us professionals and those of us who are, are just individuals making decisions, it, it isn't always the clearest thing. You know, our, uh, it is very tempting to grab what's on the table right now. Yeah. Just like the social security decision frequently, it's how do I get the most money in my pocket today? Right. Um, well, if that was your philosophy, you certainly would take a different approach than if it was, Hey, I'm planning over the course of you know, my expected lifetime and how do I maximize my wealth, uh, over that whole period of time? Cause yeah. that's what we're focused on, right? That's, exactly right. that's the cru- crux of everything you're trying to do, um, is, is a function of, Hey, how do we, how do we increase our wealth over the course of our entire lifetime? Not what in, strategy in did that? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. So, I get frustrated though. Cause it's it's yeah. really, I don't know. Well, I I share your frustration in a variety of ways um, with regard to what goes on in the industry and what goes on with us as people and the, the way we make decisions about our finances. So, well, that being said, Ethan, let's jump into this investment uh, management article here uh, by Charles D. Ellis. Uh, this appeared, or I'm pulling this off of the. Uh, CFA Institute, um, and it says the following guest editorial was written by Charles D. Ellis, uh, CFA Chairman of the Whitehead Institute. And uh, I know Charles; I've read at least uh, one of his books. Um, the uh, 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 what's the book that we like, Ethan? It's escaping me right now, but it's um, oh, Winning the Losers Game. That's, yeah, I'm sorry, I blanked as well. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're drowning over there, and I could, it couldn't throw you a lifeline. And he's a that. he's a pretty Big advocate of the t- of the style of investing that we engage in. Sure. Um, so let me just run through this. Uh, he says, although some critics grouse about them, most investors have long thought that investment management fees can best be described in one word: low. Um, you know, I I already take issue with his premise. Uh, <laughs> either that, or we we are are the investors and the people that our listeners here that listen to this and content. And the people who are coming are just highly educated. I guess. Um, because I rarely have bumped, met anyone who thinks paying anything at all is low. Yeah. Um, I feel, particularly in this time of our history, uh, it's, it's so overblown almost in, in the media and things about, although these, these active funds that we'll get to do exist and they do charge a lot. I think it's more in my experience of a result of, uh, hidden. The fees are hidden, yeah. Um, more than it's explicit, and, and individuals go, yeah, that paying one and a half or two percent for a particular investment fund is low. Uh, I rarely encounter that. I can tell uh, you, I never have 
So you never have been Not that I can remember. So I don't know who Charles is hanging out with, and I like him, and I like what he's, the overall premise I think we're going to get to. I just have to take issue with that because I don't believe that most investors have long thought that investment management fees are best described with low being their first description of it. I I don't. Um, But (laughs) maybe we should try to get him on the program. We haven't done guests or even tried to get guests, but we had some... He would be a guy that I would yeah, be sure. interested in interviewing. So um, let's do that. Okay. So e- indeed, fees are seen as so low that they are almost inconsequential when choosing an investment manager. Again, nothing I've ever experienced. But again, we, we're probably dealing maybe with a different group. It's possible. Very educated people relative to pulling the entire country, maybe. Um, this view, however, is a delusion. Um Seen for what they really are, fees for active management are high, much higher than even critics have recognized. When stated as a percentage of assets, average fees do look low, a little over 1% uh, of assets for individuals and a little less than one-half of 1% for institutional investors. But the investors already own those assets, so investment management fees should be should really be based on what investors are getting in the returns that managers produce. Calculated correctly as a percentage of returns, fees no longer look low. Do the math. If returns, say, average 8% a year, then those same fees are, are not 1% or one half a percent for the institutions. They're much higher. They're typically over 12% for individuals and 6% for institutions. But even this recalculation substantially underestimates the real cost of active, or he quotes, beat the market type investment management. And here's why. Index funds reliably produce a commodity product that ensures that the market rate of return, the market rate of return with, with no more than market risk. Index funds are now available at fee, at very uh, small fees, five base points, uh, 0.05 or less for institutions in 20 basis points, or 0.20, even for individual investors. Therefore, investors uh, should consider fees charged by active managers not as a percentage of total returns, but as incremental fees versus risk-adjusted incremental returns above the market index. So we've got about 30 seconds before we have to take our next break here, Ethan. And I want to, when we come back... Let's break this down because it is pretty complicated what he's already saying. It's complicated. Um, so I don't, I don't want to try to cram that into a 15 seconds here. I appreciate that. As we're talking about this, um, again, if you want to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back after this break. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network we spend 70 percent of our week in the office what is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it the number one motivator is a positive work environment and that's where real recognition radio comes in Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host, Ethan Broke, alongside Ken Smith. Again, if you'd like to uh, join the program, this is a live live broadcast today. Feel free to give us a call at 866-472-5790. We'd love to have you join the program. Being broadcasted live from the Empirical Towers in downtown Seattle, Washington. Or you can reach us via email at uh, contact at empiradio.com. I just like saying the... Uh, Empirical Towers. Yeah, it has a nice ring to it, a nice kind of buzz. Yeah. Someday, someday, Ethan. <laughs> um, before we went into the break, we are talking about an article by uh, Charles Ellis, who's a pretty popular author and uh, industry pundit, I guess you could say. Um, and uh, he was talking about the way that investors look at fees. And so typically, if you buy a no-load mutual fund... Mm-hmm. Or you hire some investment manager to pick investments for you. Um, and they're, maybe they're buying individual securities. You're paying them usually some stated fee. He's saying, let's take 1% as an, as a, uh, starting point, as an example. And he's saying, look, if you're buying active management, you're trying to beat the market, right? So if you had an average return of 8% and someone was charging you 1, his first premise is, hey, the math really should be how much of, of the, the return are you giving up? Right. So 1%, if you had 8% gross return and then you took 1% of that away, that 1% represents about 12.5% then of the return. Okay, so he's trying to switch your, your focus over to that as step one. Hey, if even that way of calculating it underestimates the real cost of he refers to as active, which is really anybody that's trying to beat the market, because you can buy an index fund for uh, for the average individual. Let's focus on that. That's the target of our show here, of about two tenths of a, of a percent, right? So point two, um, and so 
investors should be considering, this is, I'm switching back into reading the article here. Okay. Uh, inf- therefore, investors should consider fees charged by active managers not as a percentage of the total returns, but as the incremental fees versus risk-adjusted incremental returns above the market index. And that's the part going to the break I wanted to come back and explain a little bit. Um, but let me continue to read on a little bit further. Thus, correctly stated, management fees for active management are remarkably high. Incremental fees are somewhere between 50% uh, of incremental returns, and because a majority of active managers fall short of their chosen benchmark, infinity winds up being the extra cost. Because if you don't beat the benchmark, but you paid a higher fee, so let's say the index, Ethan, does 8%, yep, and you paid 20 basis points or point. Two two tenths of one percent to get that index return. Um, your return then was seven point eight percent after fees, right? Mm-hmm. But if you paid an active manager one percent and he got you eight percent before his fee, now you deduct the one. You're down to seven percent instead of the index approach, which would have given you seven point eight, right? Yeah. Uh, now, what happens if the if the manager gross of fees actually underperforms the index? Because anytime you engage in that market beating approach, there's a likelihood you won't beat the index. Yep. So let's say now he results a seven percent rate of return before he takes out his one percent. Takes it out. Now you got six. The infinity comes from the fact that you paid for something that you didn't get. There was no extra return. Right. So how do you calculate that? Well, it's an infinity. You you. This is interesting because I think it was it might have been a day that you were out, Ethan, on one of your glorious and somewhat luxurious vacations over the summer. But correct me if I'm wrong. Well, uh, well, if it's not about the glorious or, or luxurious, I, oh. we all know that's the case. But uh, I was saying, hey, I would be very interested in active managers charging only uh, a percentage of what they do above an index. So my proposition is that if you're going to be a picker of stocks or bonds or whatever it is, and you have a particular benchmark that you're saying you want to beat, my proposition is you charge index rates, uh, index fee rates to operate the fund, and then you share in a percentage of the profit above. And risk adjusted is important because you can't just take more risk at my expense right. to get a bigger paycheck yeah. for you, right? Right. So risk adjusted, I'm, I like that Charles threw that in there. He he has the savvy to know what that means. That, hey, it's not enough that you took my money and said, well, the index is the S&P, and then you bought a bunch of really aggressive emerging market stocks, small cap stocks and value, low price type stocks, stress stocks. And they wound up beating that S&P because there was a lot of short-term volatility risk that you took with my money to get that. And I could have gotten that by buying indexes in those areas anyway. So you need to be focusing on S&P 500 type companies if that's the benchmark and taking about that commensurate amount of risk. And it's the additional return for that level of risk that you get me that I'm willing to pay you an incentive fee on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes good sense. I mean, one talk to me, Goose. You could do the same type of thing with an index fund, right? Because index funds are not always the returns are not always simply the index return minus expenses. There can be underperformance on index 
do other things going on too. But certainly it would be a lot smaller margin, I think, than the active fund. Yeah. Some indexes, like in the bond world, for example, it's virtually impossible to track any price index because of the way, the nature of the bond market. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but I do, I, I do see what you're saying. Let's proceed on and, okay. and we can continue to make some comments here. Are we in the third segment? Yes. So we'll have one more after we come back. Correct. I just want to make sure we, we change our, our format sometimes here. Uh, <laughs> therefore, investors are by uh, active managers, not as a percentage of total returns, but as incremental. Okay. Thus, correctly stated, management fees for active management are remarkably high. Incremental fees are somewhere between 50% and infinity, as you said. And when market returns are low, as in recent years, here, here we go again with that, um, management fees eat up even more of an investor's return. Are any other services of any kind priced at such a high proportion of client-delivered value? Can active manage- investment managers continue to thrive on the assumption that clients won't figure out the reality that, compared with the readily available passive alternatives, fees for active management are astonishingly high? Well, clearly they haven't figured it out. Because there's tons and tons of active managers. Fees for active management have a long and interesting history. Once upon a time, investment management was considered a loss leader when pension funds first mushroomed as fringe benefits. During the post-World War II wage and price freeze, most major banks agreed to manage pension fund assets as a customer accommodation for little or no money. That is no explicit fee. With Fixed-rate brokerage commissions, the banks exchange commissions for cash balances and agreed proportions. The brokers got reciprocal commission business, and the banks got free balances they could lend out at prevailing interest rates. So I like this background. This is interesting. Yeah, that's good. In the uh, 1960s, a few institutional brokerage firms, including DLJ, Mitch Hutchins, and Baker Weeks, had investment management units that charged full fees, usually 1%, but then offset those nominal fees entirely with brokerage commissions. When the Morgan uh, Bank took how much time we got four minutes okay. When the Morgan Bank took the lead in charging fees by announcing institutional fees of one quarter of one percent in the late sixties, conventional Wall Street wisdom held that the move would cost the bank a ton of business. Actually, it lost only one account. Thus began nearly a half century of persistent fee increases facilitated by client perceptions that fees were comfortably exceeded by the incremental returns. If the right manager was chosen, even today, despite extensive evidence to the contrary, both individual and institutional investors typically expect their chosen managers to produce significantly higher than market returns. That's why fees have seemed low. A relatively minor anomaly is getting more attention. Uh, while asset-based fees have increased substantially over the past 50 years, more than fourfold for both institutional and individual investors, investment results have not improved. And for many reasons, changes in equity markets have been substantial, particularly in the aggregate. Over the past 50 years, trading volume has increased 2,000 times, from 2 million shares a day to 4 billion while derivatives in value traded have gone from zero to far more than the cash market. Institutional activity on stock exchanges has gone from under 10% of trading to over 90%. This is a lot he talked about in his book, Winning the Loser's Game. 
and a wide array of game changers. Uh, Bloomberg, CFA charter holders, computer models, globalization, hedge funds, hedge funds, high frequency trading, internet, and so on have become major factors in the market. Most important, the worldwide increase in the number of highly trained professionals all working ex- intensive, intensely to achieve any competitive advantage has been phenomenal. Consequently, today's stock market and aggregation of all the expert estimates of price to value coming every day from extraordinary numbers of hardworking, independent, experienced, well-informed, professional decision makers. Just trying to get it out quickly. <laughs> the result, uh, the world's largest ever prediction market. Against this consensus of experts, managers of diversified portfolios of publicly traded securities who strive to beat the market are sorely challenged. So what you have here, Ethan, because i got to try to encapsulate this, um, what he's saying is it's harder and harder than ever to get an informational advantage over the next player, yet fees have gone up, right? From He's saying virtually nothing for the security picker part of this equation to uh, where we sit now. And it, they've gone up at a time where their effectiveness of beating the market or adding that incremental return has gotten lower. Yeah, he's saying, it sounds like he's saying they weren't great in the past, but that's worse. It's harder now. Extensive, undeniable data show that identifying in advance any one particular investment manager who will, after cost, tax, and fees, achieve the holy grail of beating the market is highly improbable. And that's at best, Ethan. Yes, Virginia, some managers will always beat the market, but we have no reliable way of determining who they're going to be in advance. Okay? Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so price is surely not everything, but just as surely when analyzed as incremental fees, uh, investment management fees are um, are not almost nothing. Um, when we come back from the break here, Ethan, because this is kind of the end of the article, I want to be very, very crystal clear and, and on our viewpoint of this and how that relates to, because um, I think a lot of people take things, these articles like this, and immediately go up, oh, I don't pay anything. <laughs> I want to give you an example of a, an investor, one of our our um, our partners, Mike Van Sant, uh, we just encountered, and and the, their approach about this uh, when we get back. I don't know, Simon, we have a few minutes or seconds, or what do we got here? Okay. Um, in the meantime, if you want to give us a call here at the firm, uh, we'd love to give you a free overview of of what you're currently doing. Uh, and you can reach us at the firm at 1-800-923-4307. Feel free to ask for Ken Smith or Ethan Broga. I guess we'll take that break right now, and we'll be right back with the last segment of the show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. 
Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. We're here for our last segment of the day. Let's make it a good one, Ethan. Yeah, it's going to be nine minutes of pure heaven for us, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. Um, real quick, if you'd like to join the show, this is the last segment, so this is the last chance. To, jump in. To jump in and, and uh, tell us uh, what you're thinking on these topics. The number here is 866-472-5790. I'm assuming by the lack of uh, callers in that nobody can disagree with what you're saying, Ethan. That your logic is overwhelming. It's blistering logic. Uh, Pure logic. So we're summarizing this Charles Ellis uh, article. If you just Google um, Charles Ellis and uh, type in investment fees, management fees are much higher than you think. You'll you'll get the link to it. Um, and the conclusion he made that Ethan was, you know, he's talking extensively about the failure of active managers to beat. They're benchmarks in most cases, but they charge a lot more to do it. And what I want to do in this last few minutes sure. is be very, as I said, crystal clear about uh, what you're paying for. So I, I think often people misinterpret this type of data. We're, we are a huge advocate of what he's saying in terms of reducing the fees, but it doesn't mean you don't go out and get sound help or that there's not value to be added. The point of it is that people take, or you should take, is whether you're, when you hire a professional to help you, normally they will charge you a fee for that time that, and the effort and the liability that they're taking on for engaging you into managing, helping you manage your portfolio. I would also add, not just, oh, okay. not just the time it takes to communicate the recommendations, but there's tons and tons of time it took for us to develop those recommendations and become experts in that area. You've been doing this for well over 15 years. Your the recommendations today are the accumulated wisdom of you developed by trying hard at this topic for a long, long period of time to get to what you recommend to a client today. Does that make sense? It makes an enormous amount of sense. The cost to continue to do the research and to run the portfolio uh, accurately well exceeds what most people pay their advisors. Yes. If what they tend to do on their own is just not engage in those. They don't subscribe to 
the software or the tools or get the X to be able to run uh, the analysis that they need to. So they make an inaccurate comparison when saying I'm paying zero by just going on to my custodian, my brokerage firm, and getting free research out of there yeah. and buying random investments uh, versus how you would really do it um, and what the cost would be to buy the research and put the invested time to know what you're doing. And it only works for us because we have the, the reached economies of scale. If we only had one client and we had all 12 employees working for that one client, right, it would be a losing proposition. Unless that one client was Bill Gates. I guess that's possible. Yeah, Let's assume it's a, a regular average schedule. client, right? Right. Wouldn't right. be... Wouldn't be such a way, but because we have numerous clients and we're able to engage each client. Bill, give us a call. <laughs> if you're out there listening right now, give us a call. Uh, we've reached the, the sort of critical mass, as it were, to be able to provide uh, a high level of service in a specific area for a large number of clients. We've reached economies of scale, basically, right. with that. Well, my point, Ethan, was on that point was that it's it's the investments that the managers assuming all managers are taking time to develop a plan for you which isn't always the case but are putting the time to develop that and are doing the ongoing research part of it yeah it's the investment vehicles that they're using mm-hmm. right and so i'm saying if you i charge what i charge to do the work i do i then have a choice of what i'm going to recommend and I might recommend active strategies or mutual funds, for example, or I could implement it with passively managed funds that carry very, very low costs. Right. Those issues need to be evaluated separately. Yeah. And so what Charles is saying is, he's not saying, hey, you don't go out and get sound advice. You just randomly pick an index fund. Um, I don't believe that's what he's saying, based on my knowledge of him. Um Come on, dude. Sorry about that. My little uh, it's a function of, hey, the end user here, whoever's picking the investments, should be looking at the cost for those. There are a lot of advisors out there who, who, who make a living running investments for, for their clients, and they're picking actively managed mutual funds that charge these fees, yeah. separate from whatever they're charging for their time and energy to do this. And all the things that you just mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's put this back in a perspective of, hey, I'm doing it myself. And the question Mike got uh, from uh, this investor was, well, I'm just looking basically at some actively managed mutual funds. And mutual funds have to publish periodically the positions that they hold, what stocks they hold. Yes. Why don't I just for free go in and buy some of the top positions that they hold if they're such great funds? which we don't believe they are, by the way, because we don't use traditionally active funds. But assuming you thought that, that, hey, these guys are great stock pickers, um, rather than hire Warren Buffett, why don't I just look at his annual report, see what he owns, and why don't I just buy him? And my answer to that question is you're missing, you're you're entirely missing the value um, of having an advisor involved in your life. It isn't the part about picking the stocks. Um, that's a bad strategy, by the way, for an entire, any, an, a large number of reasons. Um, in our view, that, that you need to own thousands of stocks. If that's the only thing that we prevented you from doing, it would be more than worth our fee to pay us to do it. Right. Might be. If we could, if we only gave you the advice of stop, don't, do not engage in that behavior. 
it, you're saying that would be well worth whatever we would as advisors charge you to keep because of, of what you're, what you're about to commit yourself to. And the reason you're doing it is entirely, um, I don't know what the, the most powerful way of expressing this is, but the idea of picking up nickels in front of a steamroller kind of a thing here. You, you're trying to save something that's very explicit, which is the management fee on that particular mutual fund. But the cost you're exposing yourself to by lack of diversification, lack of discipline, lack of strategy will cost you far, far more. Yeah. You know, my advice would be buy the, just buy the active mutual fund and <laughs> putting a few yeah. individual stocks in your portfolio thinking that you're really saving money. And I've seen this time and time and time again and it never ceases to amaze me other than I know the psychological research behind this yeah. stuff. Um, but if you can take my advice on this, um, you're only fooling yourself. This person is only fooling themselves. And the reason why I should done, this person had, had said they were doing this, well, I had a bad experience last year with my advisor. It wasn't us. It was a different advisor, right, that they fired um, because of over the course of a single year. I don't know what the re- returns are. Sh- I didn't get those. Yeah. But the point is there may have been absolutely no reason to change the advisor that this person was working with or abandon the strategy because nobody should be evaluating on what the general markets are doing over a particular single year yeah. uh, and about and throwing out um, extremely sound principles to engage in, in that type of an approach. Right. Um, I have a lot more to say. I know you do. Sure. But apparently we won't be saying it today, <laughs> my friend, because our time is up. That's not good. If you want to contact us and have us take a look at your portfolio with no obligation, no pressure to hire us to do anything, right. Ethan might come over and wash your car, but that that's it. Yes, nicely. Give us a call during the week at the firm, 1-800-923-4307, or send us an email. You can email us at contact at empiradio.com. All right. Have a great week, and thanks for tuning in. Have a good week. you've enjoyed empirical investing radio with ken smith and ethan broga please join us again next thursday afternoon at 5 p.m eastern time and 2 p.m pacific time on the voice america business channel and for more information about empirical investing radio please call 800-923-4307 we'll see you next week